Thank you for coming to our Youth Sunday service. Uh, let's uh, First, I, wanna ha- I have two announcements. Uh, one is that we still have the matching challenge going on. Actually, I'm not sure if we have um, filled that yet, but uh, not quite. Okay, so we have a little bit left on the matching challenge. It was $5,000, so feel free to um, give a little bit more to succeed or at least meet that matching challenge today. Today is the last day for that. Uh, Well, it's just for the month of April. So is today the last day of April? So today is the last day for that. Um, So that and also a little bit more about our our youth program. Um, We will still have youth activities during the summer, but um, each summer we usually take the Wednesdays off. And so we switch more from a uh, once a week, same time teaching mode to an activity-based mode where we do different things with the kids, um, trips and uh, you know different um, neat things in the community, and they still get a lesson through that, um, but it's still ongoing. And in the fall time, we will resume with our Wednesday services um, as normal. So that will start when school starts back up. Um, thank you, youth, for uh, leading us today in worship and in communion and announcements. Uh, let's pray now. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to praise you, to glorify you, and to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about serious service. And today, I have a question for you. What are you signing up for? When you decided to become a Christian, what... Were you signing up for? Did you know? Well, uh, of course, salvation, right? That's what you signed up for, to be saved from hell, to be saved from sin, to get that place in heaven reserved. That's what we sign up for. But I mean, when you agreed to serve the Lord, did you really know what you were signing up for? Several years ago in our our first Men on Fire challenge trip. Uh, Coincidentally, the the mountain that we hiked was named Challenger Peak. Um, When we, the 10 of us or so that went, um, decided to go and, and follow Noah Gordon's plan, we did not know what we were signing up for. 24 miles later in the same day at midnight, We knew what we had signed up for, a feat that most of us would have said was impossible before we began. Last week, I I messaged a handful of guys and asked them to come and help move lumber from right outside of the new church building to the inside of the building because we had all of our inside lumber delivered and it was was, uh, spread out, dumped off of the trailer right there, and it needed to be moved inside. The rain was coming like it was all last week, coming, coming, and never actually really got to us. But the clouds were overhead, and we needed to get that lumber in. And so I asked some guys to come and help. We're only moving um, boards from, like, this place right outside the door to right inside the door, a few feet, no big deal. But maybe they didn't know what they were signing up for a a day later, and uh, a thousand boards some of which were like 20 foot long and 12 inches wide and they weighed 100 pounds a piece, 
carrying back and forth and back and forth a day later, we knew what we signed up for. There's a lot of work. When you decided to serve the Lord, maybe it was years ago, maybe it was months ago, maybe even a few days ago, when you decided to put your faith in Jesus and serve the Lord, did you know what you signed up for? And let me tell you about four different levels of serving that uh, people are in the habit of signing up for. Four different levels. Today, I want to start with the volunteer, the uh, community service type of serving. This is a situation in where you have hours that you need to serve. You need to get your hours in, whether it's a court-ordered community service or whether it's a service hours that you need for a scholarship. It's measured in hours, a certain amount of hours that we need to do. You need to complete them so that you can check off the box and meet the requirement. Or maybe you have an agreement with yourself. Maybe it's not court-ordered. Maybe you don't need to do it for a scholarship. But you have an agreement with yourself and that you need to do a certain amount of things of service to offset your sin. Like if I, if I just help paint the nursery of the new church, then I will make up for my lack of involvement in VBS. Well, if that were the case, the nursery in the new church would get a fresh coat of paint every week. And we all know it doesn't work like that, though. Serving God is not just a matter of getting your hours in and then forgetting about it. Listen to what Jesus tells the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Mm. Do you see what's going on there? The, the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law, they, they want to check their hours off. They are so uh, caught up in doing just what it takes to offset their sin that, um, boy, even out of their herb containers, the little bittiest things that they own, they want to take a little part of that and give it to God to say, okay, out of everything that I have, and everything that I've done, at least I've given a little bit of it to God. The tenth like is required by the law. And so I'm checking all of that off. And now I am good. And there's nothing wrong with tithing. And there's nothing wrong with getting, giving a little bit of everything you own to God. Nothing wrong with that. But do not neglect the more important thing. Jesus says, justice, mercy, and faith. Folks, we should be more committed than a few hours of community service on the volunteer level. Maybe you are a little bit more committed than that. Uh, maybe you are ready <clears throat> for a tour of duty. 
you know, um, in the military, you enlist and, and you're going to serve your country. And it's usually a, a four-year process where you serve for four years. And uh, it's kind of the idea of, of when crisis happens, we get in the idea that, okay, I'll jump in and help out. If something bad happens, I'm in, count me in. I'll bail our community out or I'll bail the church out. Uh, when war breaks out, you sign up. But when the war is over, your tour of duty is over, you loosen up. You put your battle gear down. This is kind of the cycle that the Israelites had. Have you ever seen the diagram of the judges cycle? I have a picture of it here. Um, the Israelites went through a uh, seemingly perpetual state uh, cycle of serving the Lord and not serving the Lord. They would be 100% uh, in, serving the Lord. Uh, we're going to do whatever God tells us to do. And then they fall into sin and idolatry. And they start making idols and serving things other than God, and they get distracted away. And then they get enslaved by another people in another country, and uh, they are forced to do labor, and they are away from God. And then they cry out to the Lord, Lord, help us. We are slaves now. Bring us out of this. And God raises up a judge. Read about this in the book of Judges. Raises up someone to lead them out of their, uh, their pathetic state, and then they are delivered, and they are so happy about it, and they serve the Lord. They say, Lord is the true one and only God, and then they fall into sin and idolatry, and then they are enslaved, and well, you get the picture. It happens over and over and over again, the story of Israel. It's a vicious cycle. Israel signs up for a four-year tour when things get tough, when they need God, but when their leader, the judge, is gone, when he dies, well, they're done. Well, let me show you some verses that illustrate this. Judges chapter 2, verse 16, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. See God uh, standing up for him here. And then in verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them. And they refused to give their evil practices and give up their evil practices in stubborn ways. They were signing up for four years of service, and then they were done. Now, there's nothing wrong with signing up for four years of service in the American military. Absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, I often think that if every uh, young 18-year-old man was required to serve two or four years, then maybe our country would be better off. I, I don't know. There's different opinions on that. It's great to serve a tour of service. But when we are talking about serving our Lord, it's more than just a tour of duty. 
Now some consider their service to the Lord more like a career. Career, man, they're in it for 20 years or 30 years. Like They're going to stick it out for the benefits. They're waiting on retirement. And if, if that's how you feel, then it's kind of a job for you. Your, your focus is not necessarily on what you are doing, the job you are doing, but it's on yourself, not who you are serving. You're doing it for as long as you need to, to get the most out of it for you. Have you ever heard about the prophet named Eli? It's not so much Eli that we're going to discuss right now, but it's his sons. Eli's sons were rascals. Actually, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, now the sons of Eli <clears throat> were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. Do you see what's happening here? <clears throat> when someone brings in a sacrifice to Eli's sons, their mouths start watering. They start saliv uh, salivating. Like, oh, does, which one are they bringing in now, one would ask the other. Is, is it one of those delicious little lambs? Because go ahead and put it on the altar and, and start boiling it up and we'll get to eat some of that. Like they're doing their service to God, offering the sacrifices, but, uh, boy, they're taking advantage of it as well. They are excited about serving themselves. Well, God sent a message to Eli, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 28. He said, I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Do you know that people in high places often have the same... Temptations, it's, it's the same temptations as people in low places, like, like the homeless folk. Oh, we can imagine the temptation of, of someone who hasn't had a meal in days. They don't have a home, a place to sleep. And if there's a pie on the window seal that someone set out to cool, well, the person who hasn't had a meal in days is likely to think, man, I know it ain't right, but I'll just sneak over there and eat myself some pie. Well, the temptation for someone who has everything they could ever want is often the same. Mm, all this money coming through. Nobody will know if I just take a little extra off the top for myself. 
we see this in corrupt politicians taking advantage of the working class. Uh, we see it in the example of large business managers lining their pockets thinking that they are entitled to it. Maybe in the situation of a military commander making reckless decisions because it's not their life that's on the line. They're doing their job and they're focusing on their self. Having a career is not a bad thing, by the way, but we must guard against being career-minded in our service to the Lord. The volunteer serves for a few hours. The tour of duty-minded servant gives four years. The career-minded servant is in it for himself for the long haul as long as he'll benefit. Well then, how should we serve the Lord? How about for life? How about forever? Be in it for life. You know, here's some dudes in the scripture that uh, didn't just complete some community service hours. They didn't just do a tour, and they did more than make a career out of it. Abraham, for example. Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. How about Joseph? Joseph, what a man. He was obedient. He had integrity, wholehearted devotion to God. Moses, man, Moses feared God. You know what a fearing God is. It's, it's uh, revering him and respecting him with awe. Revering and respecting the Lord with awe. Moses feared God. How about Joshua? Joshua, we hear a lot about uh, Abraham and Joseph and and Moses, but there's not much of a better example in this case than Joshua. He was with Moses on Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments. Joshua would stay at the tent of meeting where God would meet Moses even after Moses left. Some translations actually say that Joshua would not move from the place where God was. We should not be moved, folks, when it comes to serving God. We should not be like a man that is tossed on the waves, as James says. We should remain firm and immovable. Joshua was chosen as one of the 12 spies to check out the promised land, and only he and Caleb had confidence that God could do what he had promised, and give the land unto their hands. Joshua was the chosen commander whom God gave many victories when the Israelites went to battle against their enemies. God made the sun stand still once so that Joshua could finish the fight. Joshua was the man that God chose to take over when Moses died. Listen to some of the things that God told Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. I promise you what I promised Moses, 
Whatever you set, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua was in it for life. In it for the long haul, forever. And at the end of Joshua's life, he gave the Israelites a talking to. And the kind of talking to that we would say it was one of those come to Jesus kind of talks, but Jesus hadn't come yet, so it wouldn't be referred to that. But he reminded them about all that God had done for the Israelites. He told them, he got them all gathered around and said, Hey, listen, God led Abraham into Canaan land. He sent Joseph to save you from the famine. He gave you Moses to free you from Egypt. He gave you victory over the Amorites. And he gave you victory over so many more. He sustained you in the desert and he sustains you now, Joshua is telling them. And in verse 14 of chapter 24, after he tells them all about what the Lord has done for them, he says this, he says, So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, giving them this serious lecture, he tells them, it's time. It's time to serve God. After he had lectured them, he gets them to the point to where they decide, okay, Joshua, we will serve the Lord. We would never abandon the Lord to serve other gods. And Joshua's thinking inside of his head, yeah, right, I've seen it before. You guys have turned your backs on him before. And he says, God has performed so many miracles and you just turned your back. But they say, no, now we will serve the Lord. Here's what Joshua says. You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy and he is a jealous God. Joshua really calls them out. 
you can't do it. Have you ever motivated somebody like that? Like you get those really competitive people, but uh, when, when they get a challenge, they're going to rise up to that challenge. And you say, I don't think you can do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I will show you. And I think that's what Joshua is doing here. He says, you can't serve the Lord. And there's enough guys around him that say, hmm, yes, we can. We will serve the Lord. They say, uh, we are going to do it. He says, hey, you're your own witnesses. Today, you've said that you'll serve the Lord. You have chosen to serve God. Oh. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. And what's next is probably the most pivotal emotional moment in this speech that he's given. Verse 23. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. If I could paint a picture for us today of what this is like, Joshua draws them to the point of making an emotional decision Okay, we're going to serve God, they say. Whatever it takes, we're in it for uh, the long haul, for life. We're done being the, the few hours at a time. We're done uh, being a few years at a time. And when our leader dies, we're, we're past that. And we're done uh, thinking of it as a career. We're ready to do it for life. And Joshua gets them to that point like we can do it. And he says, okay. You said it, but now, look around you. I imagine they turn and looked, and they, they seen idols outsides of their houses. They seen uh, idols may, maybe in the kids' hands as they played on the streets. He says, if that's true, if you're serving the Lord today, then destroy those idols. And oh. You know, there's probably some people not happy about that. There's probably some, some idol makers, some uh, storekeepers that sell idols in the background are thinking, don't destroy the idols, that's our, that's our business. And there's, there's probably some of the, the kids uh, that are playing with these little bitty idols that are uh, household things as, as toys. They're like, Dad, don't, don't destroy these because, well, they, they don't have a... a a hold on our life. They're just little toys we're playing with. And, and there's probably people saying, no, crying, don't, don't destroy the idols. They're not that big of a deal. And probably the devil is hollering out, don't destroy the idols. That's the hold that we have, that I have on you. And Joshua says, here it is. I feel like he's got a hammer in his hands, you know? Like he's got them all in and the men are like, Okay, we're in. And he holds out a hammer. It's time to smash them. It's time to just destroy them, just to do away with them once and for all. Anything that is in between you and God, let's get rid of it today. Get rid of it. And you may not be the most popular person in your house or in your community if you start destroying things that stand between you and God or stand between others and God. 
That's what Joshua is calling these folks to do, these men, these people that are listening. He hands out the hammer, and it appears that they take it from him. In the book of Judges, uh, idols are burned by the masses. I love that point. God, God wants us to choose this day who we will serve. But listen, when we make that choice, we must know what we are signing up for. Serving the Lord for life requires three things, I think. Fear of the Lord, loyalty, and obedience. Now, what is fear of the Lord? It's reverence and respect with a holy awe. I don't know how to describe that feeling of, of awe, being inspired so much by who God is, by what He is and what He has done. It's, it's kind of living outside of ourselves, being able to see beyond of who we are and what we feel, being able to be outside of ourselves. You know, Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says, He existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. Can you imagine our God and just the idea of you thinking about everything that God does every second, every moment? I think we mistakenly often think that things just happen because they happen. Our scripture tells us that God is in control, that God is all-powerful. So when the sun comes up every morning, or could we say when the world rotates around the sun or whatever happens, it happens because God is constantly making it happen. It's not just happening because God is behind it. Now that is awe-inspiring. And that makes me respect who God is. That's fearing the Lord. God is sovereign. And by the way, he keeps all of his promises. He has promised to love us and to save us from all of the calamity and the sins and the wrong choices that we make if we give our lives to him. Loyalty, relationship-wise, uh, we should have relationships of integrity and honor, especially to our God. You know, we shouldn't be uh, for hire I'll believe in whatever, you know, pay whatever you pay me to believe. We need to be sold out to God, not up for hire. Sold out for who he is, loyal to him and his purposes, and we need to obey our Lord, our commander. We need to have obedience. We need to have a wholehearted devotion to his word and to his commandments. We've got to know that His commands are for our good. And we can't be ignorant of His Word. We cannot uh, think, think things without reading the Scripture to figure out how to deal with them. We've got to be in God's Word and reading about what He wants for our lives. Fear of the Lord, loyalty, and obedience. That's what serving the Lord for life looks like. Serving God is more than just volunteering 
or putting in our hours, our time. We are serving the creator of the universe, the God who parted the Red Sea, the king who rules. When we truly understand that this same God sent his only son to die for us while we were still sinners, how can we not offer him our total loyalty? Everything he does, every word he speaks, every command he gives is for our own good. Serving God is living every day in wholehearted devotion to obeying his word and it's having complete loyalty to his kingdom and his purposes. Our mission here at Colony Christian Church is to share hope with our community through love and service. The only way that we can do this is by serving our God. There is no hope without our Savior Jesus. There is no love except for that which God has created in us. And there is no service worth doing at all to our community except for that which God has commanded us. His love and His Savior. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, so much for Jesus, for that hope that we have, hope of eternal life. Lord, we respect you and understand that we can't live this life productively alone, God. It'd be all in vain if we were putting our faith in you, if we weren't serving you. Lord, help us to be like Joshua and present the word, your word to others. And help us to choose to destroy everything that's in the path between us and you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.